welcome to the Cook Coterie Podcast. I'm Marie. In today's episode, there is mention of drug use and addiction, so be advised that this episode isn't for little years. I interview neuroscientist turned life coach Jeff Xiao. He shares with us his journey from being a drug addict who was climbing the corporate ladder to becoming a life coach. We talk about the unique challenges that millennials face and how millennials can let go of self-limiting beliefs. Enjoy! Hi Jeff, welcome to the Cook Curry Podcast. I'm so grateful to be able to have a conversation with you today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Maria. I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited for our conversation. I was wondering if we could start by you sharing with us a little bit more about how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm the founder of Mind Access Life Coaching, and it's a life coaching service designed to help millennials discover their purpose, break through their limiting beliefs, and map out their personal vision, essentially helping them unleash their potential and live the life they want. And I do this today because I've had a long, long journey to get to where I'm at. I'm sure we're going to go through that during this call. But um, so that's what I do today. And I got here, long story short, basically going from being an unfulfilled drug addict and completely changing my life to being able to help people who were in the situation that I was in. That's the, the gist of it. Let's explore a little bit about that phrase you use, unfulfilled mm. drug addict. Yeah. What made you turn to drugs in the first place? Um, well, actually, it starts off when I was about 17. I, you know, like, it's just kind of like, a, you just do it because it's kind of cool, that kind of thing. And I wanted to try, try something different. Uh, it started off with smoking weed. That was the first thing. And, but like everyone does that when they're like 17 or 18, you know, it's pretty normal. And it went from that to me basically getting extremely hooked onto weed for like the next eight years. So that really impacted my life a lot because it meant that I wasn't able to make much progress in my life. I was always just living on the hamster wheel of like not having weed, getting more weed. And then that bled out into different areas. So like doing a lot of MDMA, doing a lot of cocaine, a lot of ecstasy, um, just dabbling in a lot of different areas. I would say mushrooms, but mushrooms are not really a drug. They're more of like a, a natural healing herb, you know? Like it all kind of originates from that point. That's how it starts. It starts from the younger days. And was there something that happened or someone you met that inspired you to realize, hey, I'm not happy and I want to change? Well, yes and no. So I had been struggling with my addiction for years, um, probably about four to five years. I'd just been trying to quit smoking, drinking, doing drugs, just been trying for so long, but I just wasn't able to. I didn't understand. I didn't have a reason, you know, like you, you don't really change your life unless you have a reason. So I, I had like a, a point where I was uh, in my corporate role. So I, you know, I say I was on drugs, but I was a high functioning drug addict. So I have three degrees at university um, I climbed the corporate ladder. You know, I did a lot of things in my life. I wasn't just sitting around, you know, doing nothing. Like I was, I was working, I was studying. So I, I got promoted in my workplace um, to a higher role. And I was like, okay, like this has to end because now I'm going to have a lot of responsibility and I can't just be, you know, doing this all the time after work. And I didn't know how to get off it until I read a book called The 50th Law. It's um, a book written by 50 Cent and Robert Greene. One of, it's the book that, probably changed my life when i read it 
it made me realize the importance of sobriety, which I hadn't understood before. Like I knew that sobriety was important, but I never knew that you could never really live to your true potential unless you became sober first. Uh, and the book is talking about 50 Cent, about his life. He used to deal drugs. He used to sell all that sort of thing, but he never touched drugs. He never took drugs. He never did them because he knew that to get anywhere in life, you can sell the drugs, but you can never do the drugs because that's going to stop you from leading that life. What does that mean to you, finding your true potential? It basically means finding out what you want to do with your life and being able to truly make all the steps happen for you to reach that point. Okay, so to unleash your true potential, first of all, you have to discover what you want to do with your time on earth, okay? Like, you you can call it destiny, you can call it fate, I call it purpose, all right? Like, purpose is something that you decide, okay, this is something that I'm going to do for the long term because it fills me with fulfillment. It means that I actually, not just happy, like, happiness is drugs. Like, that's why I say, like, happiness is a drug because it is. Like, that's what I was hooked onto for years. So I'm not chasing happiness, I'm chasing fulfillment. And fulfillment is tied to having a positive impact in society and not just impacting those around you, but impacting people around the world. That's fulfilling. And however you do that is fulfillment. And so that can be tied to a purpose and achieving your purpose and doing that every day is going to help you unlock your potential for what you can really do on this planet. For me, growing up in Singapore, I felt like I had to have this cookie cutter life where my dream and my desires to a certain path were quickly dismissed besides cultural aspect why do you think a lot of millennials are afraid to find their true self Mm, that's a great question Marie and I I think it comes to the fact that it's similar to what you just said um millennials are you a millennial yourself yes 93 93 96 for me yeah and um what really makes it difficult for millennials is we're kind of in that period where you know the baby boomers after the world war ii things really changed economy really heated up and there's a model that was created right and i'm sure you've heard the model i heard that my whole life too you've got to go to school you've got to get a job stay in your job for 40 years retire you're safe, you're good, go on holidays, take vacations. It doesn't work for millennials anymore because one, the world has expanded so much. And two, we now have the internet. We now have many more means for impacting people and doing things that create value rather than just sitting at a desk and being able to do a role for someone else and make someone else richer. And millennials are smart enough to understand this, but millennials haven't been given the tool set to understand how to leave that life. You know, that's why you see so many millennials still caught in the rat race. They want to leave. Most people want to leave the rat race. I'll tell you that. But they just don't know how because they don't know what to do. And because they don't know what to do, they remain in the same spot. And that's the problem that you start to see. So millennials, I think, have it the hardest. I think we're the ones that have been, you know, not I wouldn't say hard done by, but I would say just the way it's played out. It gives us the most difficult scenario to grow from and change from. But that's also exciting because we live at the most interesting time to do it. It is different being a millennial compared to the older generation because our challenges are way, way different. When I think of my grandparents, their challenges was, okay, our farm isn't doing well, the harvest isn't doing well, how are we going to feed our family? Millennials, we have our own wounds, unseen wounds usually. You know, maybe our crops 
aren't dying, but some of us feel like we're dying on the inside. What advice would you have for millennials who who want to heal from their past, who have that desire to change and to realize their full potential, but they don't know where to start? The key is to really do some inner work and realize what you're afraid of. Um, you've got to realize what whole, you know, like, for example, there's always a sensation when, say, like, if you want to do something, like, you know, like, that you're capable of doing, right? Like, let me, let me ask you a question in return. How long have you wanted to open up a podcast for? Maybe a year. How long did it take for you to do it? Like two hours. <laughs> exactly. So that, that, that's, that, you see that concept of, um, I guess that's the best way I could have put it is people know what they want to do. Um, majority of people know what they want to do. They know they're capable of it. And why do they not do it? Because, well, they just don't think they can do it. Everything else seems more important apart from your dreams and your goals, right? It's like, oh, I've got to go and, you know, go and take the clothes off the line. I've got to do this shopping. I've got to do this, this, this. There's so many distractions. The key, like, the first place to start is eliminate distractions and recognize what is it that you could do infinitely without getting bored off because, one, it makes you better, two, and it makes the world better around you. When you have some kind of recognition of that, then that's something that you can invest all your energy in. And then you create something called flow because the more energy you put in, the more results you start to see. And the key is to overcome the initial fear of I'm not good enough to do this. And I felt that too before I left my job. I literally quit my job, um, left my city, moved to like the other side of Australia during the middle of COVID. Um, it, was, it was actually a terrible decision on paper, but it was a great learning experience. And um, I just did it because I knew something had to change. And I was like, I could remain in the same model to do something different. I'm going to make a change and I'll roll with what happens. But the key is to overcome that fear. Overcoming fear isn't, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, I feel like a lot of millennials have unseen wounds that sometimes some of us don't even know that they're there. I was wondering if we could talk about the importance of having a strong mindset and what suggestions you may have for mastering our minds. Okay, that's a great question. Um, I'll talk about the fear a bit first and then go into the mindset. The, the fears that millennials face is if, once you recognize it, you've got to understand the root of it. And I uncover fears all the time that I don't realize are hiding because a lot of the time you don't realize that you have fears there in your subconscious, you know? So when you feel like you're limited, like, so for example, say, if you're afraid of doing something, you've got to really think, okay, like, hang on, why am I afraid of doing that? Why am I afraid of this in the first place? Like, has that fear, that can't be a new fear because I'm trying to improve. So I have to unlearn something. So if you recognize a fear, it's like, why do I have this fear? Now that I have this fear, let's trace its origin. And it might take you weeks, might take you days. Some fears have taken me weeks. I've just been like left it there to percolate. You know, you think about it and then you realize a couple of weeks later where it originates from. But once you recognize the root of that fear, then you can start to do some work. Then you can realize that, okay, what happened to me when I was 10 doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen to me now that I'm, you know, 25. Like that's just an unrealistic expectation. So that's, that's one way to overcome fears. Now, in terms of improving mindset, to improve mindset, you know, that's a very generalized thing. And you've got to kind of first recognize 
what area of your mind do you want to improve? Do you want to improve your uh, emotional sense? Do you want to improve your resilience? Do you want to improve your sense of self-awareness? Because you can do all these things, but you've got to be aware of, okay, like what am I actually trying to improve? And for myself, I work daily on building my resilience. I have a very no quit attitude. So like every day I do something that challenges myself, everything like a little bit further. So whether it might be running further, I always push myself to run further, push myself to lift more at the gym, but I'm always pushing myself every day because if you don't do that, then you're moving backwards slowly. You've always got to keep expanding the possibility of what you can achieve as a human being. And that builds resilience over time. What stood out to me when you were sharing that is that it's about the little things, not about what we're doing, whether it's going to the gym in our job, that we can grow and improve. It doesn't have to be something extravagant or I'm trying to think of the word, but like it doesn't have to be big things, if that, if that makes sense. Correct. Yeah, it's, and, um, yeah that's right. And I was, I was thinking about how in life, it's almost like we, we are afraid for those extravagant and big things to happen. You mentioned earlier about distractions and there are all these things going on around us that because things can get so noisy, it's almost like we're comfortable being mediocre and being ordinary because it's safe. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a very accurate thing that you said i think that's very true that the the net of safety and security keeps us in place because the greater the risk the greater the reward and not necessarily saying that there is a risk involved in taking a leap but there is it means shifting your mind and your physical self from one place to another and that requires effort that requires uncertainty and that that is a bit that's what creates that that feeling of risk right so, yeah, I think that a lot of the time it's very possible that people can self-sabotage themselves and remain in the same spot because they're afraid to move the needle a little bit further because, you know, the saying, you're afraid of your own shadow. That's a, it's a very famous thing that I've mm-hmm. heard many of the podcasts I listen to, especially David Goggins, being afraid of your own shadow is what keeps you in the same spot. Going back to millennials and the type of fear that we have, because we're now in we're even more deep into the internet world because of what's going on in the world and more people working from home and travel being limited. Do you see that as a gift or more of a curse that people are more exposed to the internet? Well, I think that actually there's probably two perspectives that are both pos- both true in the way I see it is that the internet and the way in which we're using it, like we wouldn't be able to have this podcast right now if, you know, we didn't have the internet. That's the amazing thing about it. We would not, we just would not be possible. And the internet allows us to have a greater impact. Like you might record this podcast and you might get a million listens. That's a million people that have heard something impactful. Right. But if we tried to do that face to face, you know, I might have to travel to the United States and then record this. Like it just wouldn't work that way. It'd be too difficult. Right. So the internet expanding is a great thing. But the negative effect that it has on people is it stopped humans from interacting in a way which is organic, which is a way in which, you know, reading facial expressions, being able to actually be in someone's energy aura and being able to like actually connect and bond, not just over a screen, but in person. And I think that as time goes on, we're going to forget that, especially with the metaverse, 
especially with um, all this VR and AR. Not that I disagree with it. I think that's just the way it was always going to be, you know. But I, I think that it's going to be hard for a lot of humans to regain connections um, in the coming years. It's going to be a bit difficult. As a parent, that does scare me a little because I I want my son to be able to grow up knowing how to connect with other people. Sometimes I go whether to the store or a social setting and I see children glued to to a screen and and it is concerning I think but at the same time like you said there is so much good on the internet so much that we can benefit from and learn from and be able to develop all these different things I was gonna ask what are your thoughts on how on internet exposure of affecting our brains and our ability to digest information. From a like a because I'm I'm a neuroscientist by trade. I was I was originally a neuroscientist. Um, the the internet, what it does is it's come to the point where everyone has a very short attention span, right? You notice the apps keep getting quicker. So like for example, you had Facebook where you had like I don't know 10, 20 minute videos. Then you go to Instagram where you've got like five minute videos. You go to Snapchat where you can have like a couple minute videos. And now TikTok where you've got 30 second videos, right? So when people are exposed to information now, the information is not in depth. Like, for example, I've studied a lot. I've studied, I have three different degrees and all of them took a lot of time to absorb information into my brain, meaning that I have a great understanding. But now people can watch a TikTok video and assume that they have a good understanding on something like, say, for example, how cancer works, right? And that's like complex theory, a complex way in which that works. But you can watch a 30-second video and kind of basically think, oh, I have a good understanding of how cancer works. But not really. It doesn't really work that way. So it's kind of like making the information we consume more digestible, but really shallow information. The information is so shallow it's not like in-depth, like actually teaching you. It's more of just like, oh, I know this fact and I might tell someone else this fact. And then that's how misinformation spreads. So the internet is really now about like bite-sized snippets. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Um, there's a lot of information out there, but now it's like, what's true? What's false? You know, what's in-depth? And then that's hard to differentiate. So um, the internet, it has, it, you've got to be, you've got to be smart about where you're finding information on the internet and you've got to know why you're doing it. You've got to have that intention. You've got to have that purpose. I guess that's where coaching comes in handy. You know, someone that's walked the path before you is able to show you exactly what you like to do. That's going to help you get to where you want to be. How do we get deeper though? How because, do we get Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people, they want to have deeper, they want to have authentic relationships with themselves and with their loved ones. But there is all this noise. And like you said, sometimes information is shared and people become an expert on the most random things just by watching a 30-second video. And it actually could be preventing them from going deeper. Agreed. Agreed. And um, that's really impacting the way in which we share information now too. Everything is like a share on Instagram or a share on TikTok, a share on Facebook. It's not like a, hey, let's discuss this topic and try to break it down. It's like, here, someone sent this to you, so I'll send this to you, you know? And like, while it's good, it mean, but it also means like it's hard now to differentiate true from false and valuable from invaluable. Everything is saturated. Everyone's creating content. Everyone's creating everything. It's like, 
how do you actually create something that's impactful? And also how is someone actually going to take something from that and gain value from it? You know, like that's the most important thing because in a world full of like so many things in circulation, how are people really going to gain value and learn something that's valuable to them that's going to help them improve themselves and others around them? It's almost like some people have a mask on, like they have their social media persona and then they have their real life. And I don't know if it's a millennial thing, but for me personally, what I've observed is that that is kind of common. I I used to want to climb the corporate ladder and achieve all these things and have these goals. And I would leave my job feeling so burned out because I was exhausted from acting. I felt like I was an actress. Oh, like I need to do these things. I need to dress a certain way. I need to talk to certain people. And then I would come home to my husband and be burned out, wiped out because I wasn't, I wasn't happy and I didn't even know it. I was wondering if you could share your thoughts on. Yep. So. uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I couldn't. I I thought you lagged out there. What was that? I think it was like lagging. But did you have thoughts? Yeah, I've got some thoughts on what you said. And um, I understand what you're saying. It's the, it's the classic, you know, boxed paradigm. You know, it's like you go to school, you go to uni, you go into the corporate ladder and you're sold this dream of the carrot on the stick where you're basically led along the the promise of more promotions, more money, more prestige, more responsibility. And you get put more and more into this box of who you're expected to be, which isn't necessarily who you are, but it's hard to discover who you are when you spend your whole life doing what you're told you should be, you know? And that's the thing that a lot of millennials have gone through. Like, Millennials are after, I think it's Gen Y or Gen X or something like that. And that's the last kind of generation that really had a good run in the economic stance of the world. When, you know, when we were starting to really transfer from being more industrial based to being more digital based, millennials have seen that crossover and the boxes which we've been told to establish ourselves in from school, from our younger days, they're not true anymore. We, we now know more about ourselves than ever before. We have more information than ever before. It's hard to be fooled to be dragged along with a carrot on a stick. So when you're talking about feeling burned out, it's because you're acting in an inauthentic sense. You're showing up, putting on clothes you don't want to wear, doing things that don't align to what you're actually interested in, but it's what you think you should do. And I, I ran the same course too. And I, I ran that course and I was like, this is not for me. But the one thing that I never did was I never conformed to dressing stance. I wore the same thing all the time. I was like, I don't care. I'll have like four different shirts. If you don't like it, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I, um, I was always very organic in the office and things. I always spoke my mind. I never put on a front. I was always very authentic because I am um, from a young age. I realized that, you know, people are going to hate you whether you say this or that. So you might as well just be yourself. <laughs> but um, the one thing that I really didn't like about it was that the work didn't align to my purpose. The work didn't make me feel good about myself. And I didn't feel like I was having, a good impact on other people. I wasn't changing lives, you know, I wasn't impacting people. And that's what really cut it for me. Let's go back to when you weren't sober though. How did you juggle that life of your career and having that lifestyle? My secret power is ADHD. So I'm able to do a lot in a in a small amount of time. So I was always able to smash out my work for the day, go home, you know, smoke some weed, drink some alcohol. 
And I was doing that for years, you know, like even before I was in corporate, when I was working three different jobs, doing my master's, doing my bachelor's. I've been doing that for years, even having different businesses before the drugs kind of, I've mentioned to you at the start, I was very high performing drunk drug addict. So um, the drugs really kind of fuel me to work even more. It kind of tied in really well with my ADHD and kind of just allowed me to do 10 X what other people were doing, which is um, honestly just the way it was, but I was never inauthentic about it. I just never talked about it. It's not, you're not lying about something if you don't talk about it, you know? Like, um, I'm not going to go, like, it would be foolish to go around and tell everyone, hey, do you know, I go home and do this or go home and do that. It's like, no, you know, that's just, that. that's me. So um, it's not, I wasn't being inauthentic. If people asked me, I'd be like, yeah, I do. But like, I'm not going to go out of my way to tell you that I do this, this, this. I'm not that kind of person. That's wonderful, though, that you were, you were still yourself and you accepted that part of yourself, that it existed and you weren't ashamed of it would you say ashamed of it was just a part of your life of using drugs no okay like no i was ashamed of it that's one of the reasons why you don't talk about it you know most drug addicts they don't talk about it because it it is something it's (laughs) not something you're proud of it's it's not really not marie i was very much ashamed of it i just did not talk about it when you have a secret that you don't want to talk about there's usually shame associated with that and I was wondering if you could share when you were going through the process of becoming sober, how did you deal with the shame of your drug use and overcoming that? Well, the thing is, is that I stopped being ashamed of it when I realized that this has happened and I can actually use my story and the way that I did it to help other people. So I got certified as a life coach. Okay. Like I didn't just leave my job and become a life coach. Like I was studying for like a year. I was studying like different life coaching certifications, different sociology certifications. So I'm like qualified for life coaching and that like, but I, I didn't, I didn't start with the intention of becoming a life coach. I was doing those courses to help me become better as a person. Right. And that journey allowed me to actually transform. Like once I finished the course, I was like, you know what? I could do this for a living. And then I decided to buy more certifications and do even more. And the more that I did these certifications and the more that I started to grow as a person and kind of walk away from that old lifestyle, I didn't feel ashamed of it anymore. In fact, that's one of the reasons in my life coach, I talk about it. You know, I talk about it. I put up content about it. I talk about what I've done because if you know like you've got to be vulnerable to be able to help someone else because well i have been through that you know it's not like i'm perfect no like um to get to the point of anywhere you have to go through hell first you know to learn most of the lessons along the way and i stopped feeling ashamed of it when i realized that what i've done and how i've done it can actually be useful to help other people in the same spot they don't necessarily have to be drug addicts but they might be lost they might be upset they might be stuck you know same as a drug addict, just without the substance. So yes, I know what it's like. I can resonate. So I'm not ashamed anymore. I was ashamed when I was doing it because I knew that I was better than that. I knew that I could do more in my life. And I'm not alone. There's many high performers, many CEOs, you know, many people in high performing roles that are doing many drugs behind the scenes. And they're keeping that secret too, because in this world, a lot of people are struggling, Marie. Like it's, it's just a realistic fact. A lot of people are struggling. It's true. A lot of people are struggling. And as we have the courage, like you, to be authentic with our story and to share it, it does encourage other people to not be afraid to be their true self. Exactly right. 
that's uh that's why I'm always gonna tell my story, you know, like um I'm not ashamed of it. Like um at, at the very you know, at the beginning, you know, that's this is that fear thing we talked about that holds people back because we're ashamed of what other people might think about us. We fear that. But for every person that has something bad to say about you, there's someone else that might actually be like, wow, okay, this can actually help me out. And those are the people you seek to help. You can't help everyone. Not everyone's going to want your help. Not everyone's going to like you. And that's just the way it is. But for everyone that has something bad to say about you, there will be someone else that will gain something useful from you. And those are the people you seek to help out. And those are the people you seek to provide value for. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Jeff. And thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. Could you share with our listeners where they could learn more about you or your work? For sure. I'm Jeff Ciel, the founder of Mind Access Life Coaching, a life coaching service for millennials. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, on my website. I have plenty of content. I have plenty of value. I have a free ebook I can provide as well. Uh, what I'll do is I'll give you, Marie, I'll give you a link to my website. And then I think that's probably the best way to start. In terms of programs, I do coaching programs. My life coaching is certified, so I do programs. I have five different programs and I have one ongoing program, okay? The five programs have different outcomes and I also do ongoing strategy sessions to help you stay on board and accountable to whatever you set out doing our coaching sessions. So while I'll do, Marie, is I'll leave you a link to my website and um, please feel free to work with me. I would love to help you achieve your goals and your dreams. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you for your time. No worries. Thanks, Marie. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening. I learned a lot from Jeff and I hope you did too. Follow me on Instagram at Marie Ellis Cook to stay up to date on all Cook Coterie projects. Life is too short to be anyone but yourself. See you next time.